0: Welcome back. This is episode two of Las Matamaridos. Eight years later, Luz and Cielo were 18 and had lived peacefully at the church of El Santo Sagrado de la Milagrosa since that horrible day so long ago. The nuns had housed and clothed them and taught them their ways, both conventional and non-conventional forms of faith and survival. Through the years, the two would often hear stories from parishioners that the girls had been spotted in various parts of Mexico, sending their families running after them. But none had ever stopped to think that the girls were right under their noses and living among them. Until the day, Arit Sanabria, Cielo's mother, walked into church seeking counsel from Father Refugio. The father listened to Arit, cry for her missing child, and thought perhaps the time had come for the girls to return home and be with their families, and begin the healing process. On pure faith and trust, he told Darit that her daughter and Luz were there, and had been all along. Cielo's mother hid her shock and listened intently at the story the priest had told her. But in her head, in her head she was chanting, Victory at last, at long last. After all those years, she knew where her daughter was. It was time for the girls to fulfill their destiny and Adit owed it to the families to maintain the agreement they had made all those years ago. She pretended to listen to the father and when he concluded, she took his hand and kissed it as a mark of respect and casually got up and walked out of the church. Once she reached the sunlight, she bolted for home and her husband. It was time to bring the girls home. That night, the two young women said their prayers and went to bed. Their hearts and minds opened to the Lord and the bounty He offered them to cultivate. And as their thoughts and consciousness began to shut down and lead them towards the realm of sleep, large, cold, calloused hands covered their mouths and brought them right back to reality. Meanwhile, in another room down the hall, Philemon rose from his bed, swearing he was hearing noises in the hall. He peeked outside his door, and to his surprise, he saw a small army of men dragging the girls out of the church. He immediately knew it was their families, finally locating them and forcing them back home. Quickly looking for a way out, he slipped through the secret corridors of the church and walked, and walked, and walked the maze until the night air finally hit his face. When he turned around, he saw the church engulfed in flames, and the men had separated the two girls, forcing them to watch the burning. His eyes filled with tears, recalling the last time he had been before the murderous brood. He needed to find a way to get to Luz and Cielo and help them. Philemon looked around wondering in which way he should go in the pitch black night. And suddenly, as if from thin air and miraculously, he remembered Father Refugio had taken the three children to his childhood home just before he'd entered the seminary. The house, now empty, sat as a perfect place to lay low while he regrouped and gathered his thoughts and figured out what to do next. Philemon only hoped Luz and Cielo could hang on and stay alive long enough for him to reach them. Back at the church, tears ran uncontrollably down Cielo's cheeks as she desperately tried to open her eyes through the ash and soot that had fallen in them as she was being dragged out of the raging fire. Luz! Luz! She screamed, not being able to see her best friend, and suddenly... A hot breath and voice whispered in her ear, Shut up, you worthless bitch. The words of the man restraining her from running away continued, Pay attention, estupida. If you faint, you won't hear them scream, he said. The men behind her laughed and carried on as if what they were watching was a mere bonfire to keep warm, not the burning pit of hell killing her cherished loved ones. She looked at the church, her precious home and hideout being destroyed by villains who dared call themselves her family. Her eyes scanned everywhere for loose, but she couldn't see her. What she did see was another group of men huddled in a circle, kicking what appeared to be a lump of dirt on the ground. Trying to focus, she couldn't tell if it was loose. And as bad as that beating was, she prayed her friend was there and not in the burning building. They kept her still. The bastard behind her had handfuls of her long hair and wrapped it around his wrist to keep her facing the flames. She watched in horror while her vision began to slightly clear to see the barricades over the doors and windows that the men had put up to prevent escape. As the flames burned through the boards and shattered the windows, the girls could now hear the blood-curdling screams of the nun and the priest coming from inside the church. Cielo turned back to where the group of men had been and saw Luz breaking free from them and running towards the flames. Panicked, the men quickly got up and scrambled to run after her, the largest man of the bunch tackling her to the ground and landing on her back his huge, grotesque body pinning her to the sand as he grabbed her by the hair and forced her face up to watch the inferno before them. Luce desperately, desperately tried to keep her eyes closed, but the men just kept torturing her until she opened them. Cielo turned back to the church and felt herself shaking uncontrollably. Her vision blurred and everything was getting hazy. She tried taking deep breaths and found she couldn't breathe. Panicking, she gasped for air over and over with no luck. Looking up at the night sky, she prayed that she was dying. Silently pleading with the Lord, which had kept her and Lou safe for the past eight years, now blessed them with the permanency of death because the alternative was too much to take. Cielo looked around found Luz and locked eyes with her one last time before she let the darkness take her. That was the end of Episode 2. Stay tuned for Episode 3 when we find out exactly what happens to Luz and Cielo once they're back in their family's home. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm your narrator, Arlene Sanabria. See you next time. Welcome back. This is episode three of Las Matamaridas. Cielo woke up. And to her dismay, she was still very much alive. Completely blank as to the time and the day that it was. And she felt more as if she was having an out-of-body experience. She was staring at herself in a church, on her knees, looking at a priest she did not recognize, who was looking back at her, blessing her with the sign of the cross. Gazing down, she saw she was wearing a white dress and a veil that blurred her vision even more. She looked to her right and saw a handsome stranger by her side and watched as he took her left hand and slid a cold gold band on her finger. (gasps) Alarm bells went off in her head. She wanted to run, to scream, to yell, but her body wasn't obeying the pleading in her brain. So she watched in horror as a man next to her with a cynical look became her husband. At the close of the ceremony, there were no well-wishers, no cheerful congratulations, no relatives giving her advice on marriage. There were only onlookers viewing some type of sacrificial ritual. Not a single family member, not even her mother, would look into Cielo's eyes. Their gazes remained downcast and uninterested as if they were so much more happier it were her and not them. Her new husband gripped her upper arm and led her to the horse-drawn carriage that was waiting for them. He stared at her with pure hatred in his eyes. I never wanted to marry you, he said. I had always hoped you would never be found, but you couldn't even get that right, you stupid cunt." And he slapped her hard. The sting left a ringing in her ears and the sound of it caused the driver to turn around in shock. Her husband snapped at the driver and yelled at him to get out. He decided that he would be the one to take the carriage back to their house. As he drove them out and away from the town, Cielo wondered, even in her panic, how Luz was doing and if she would ever get to see her again. The carriage stopped suddenly and the stranger came to the back of the carriage. Cielo could smell the mezcal on him even before he sat next to her. She looked down and saw his pants were undone and hanging around his ass and his dick fully erect. She looked up at him and he snickered Too drugged to react, too slow to move, she could only look on in fright as her mind screamed for help, and he stood up, picked her up, tore off her gown, and slammed her down, straddling hard on his shaft, tearing her feminine flesh every step of the way. She screamed then, found her voice, and wailed into the empty surroundings in agony like a horse shot in the leg and stumbling around for support. She fought him to get up, and the more she fought, the more he seemed to enjoy it. And he kept slamming her down on him. Cielo swore she felt her pelvis breaking and breathed a sigh of relief when he released himself inside her. Then he gripped her hips, lifted her up, and tossed her back down on the ground. Looking down at herself, she saw that she was covered in blood. Her body shook from the shock of it all. She looked up at her husband, not knowing what other perverse act he was gonna come up with and not having to wait long when he said, "Limpiame." me. And then he leaned back with one hand around his penis, waiting for her to clean her virgin blood and body fluid off of him. A wave of nausea hit her as she focused suddenly on a very shiny object just below his seat. And the more she tried to focus, the clearer the object became. It was a blade. Looking up at the disgusting creature that had just violated her, she slithered her hand towards it, just as he was shouting, Apurate! And she reached for the knife and immediately plunged it into his heart. Keeping it in a split second longer than she should have, she pushed both hands on the handle and watched him open his eyes wide. Looking at her with a mixture of shock and fear, Cielo inched her face as close to him as possible, adding weight and pressure to the knife as she did so, and looking deep into his eyes. She leaned in, whispering, "Nos vemos en el infierno, puto, y ni allí te de mí." Then she sharply twisted the knife. Cielo held that position till her husband's eyes rolled to the back of his head. She looked down at his hand and cut his left ring finger off and took the wedding ring with her. Then she pushed and kicked him out of the carriage and climbed up onto the top of the where the driver had been sitting. Cracking the whip of the reins, she turned the horse and headed west. She was going back home, back to the church. And this time, no one was going to stop her. Things for Luce weren't going any better. When the men dragged her away from the demolished church, the only thing left was a stagnant smell of burned flesh that clung to the air. They threw her in the back of their truck and drove her home. She didn't remember much of anything after that. She was placed in a room and drugged, and she had flashes of what she perceived followed that. Her mother crying at her bedside, begging for forgiveness. Her aunts dressing her in a white gown and taking her to church, putting her on display in front of the Lord. Next to her, a familiar-looking stranger who held her by the waist and pinched her when the priest waited for her to say, I do. Her eyelids, thick and heavy. Every time she blinked, she found herself in a different place. Her head was pounding like a drum, and her eyes were still stinging from the smoke. She knew she was in hell, paying for a sin she didn't remember committing, bound to a stranger for wealth and power. Luz sat alone, desperately trying to figure out what to do next, and especially wondering if Cielo had suffered the same fate. The door swung open and the stranger, now her husband, walked in. He looked at her with a disinterested gaze but a very bulging package below the belt. He said, Ya me chuparon, cabrona, pero tú, tú me vas a acabar. Knowing she should feel terror because this repulsive pig was about to rape her, rob her of her virginity, and do it as angrily as he possibly could yet she didn't have the strength to fight it or to clear her mind of all the horror. So she rose above herself and looked down at the bed and saw this beast that was bound to her for all time claw at her breasts and mark her with his yellow stained tequila fingers as he grabbed her by the hair and then sent her flying into the wall before pulling her back like a yo-yo, causing her to crash her cranium against his boulder-sized fingers de mi no te olvidarás cabrona he said reaching over the nightstand he rifled around until he finally pulled out his gun looking above them cielo prayed that he would shoot her and end this agony instead he pointed the gun to the right side of her and fired almost immediately a large group of bodyguards burst through the door get out of here you sons of bitches he said and then he pointed the gun at the headboard just above her left side and fired again. That last shot so close to her head, it snapped her out of her protective cloud and dropped her right back into hell. She was pinned beneath his gargantuan weight and being suffocated by the stench of the tequila that clung to his breath. The gun just above her head, as her husband reached between their bodies to undo his belt and loosen his pants. He then crudely spit on his free hand to stroke himself before falling on her again and shoving his dick inside her loose screamed and howled in pain feeling that she was being torn in half from the dry and forced entry in and out thrusting his body into her again and again his expression contorted every which way and he would often looked at her with his eyebrow cocked to the side as if he were making her aware of just how lucky she was He bent his head to bite hard on her left nipple and did so with such a force that she was sure he was going to tear it off. Then the monster above her began to scream and moan and push, and one last time before spilling himself inside her. Lu stared up at the ceiling. A single tear rolled down her cheek. She could feel the blood and sperm leak out of her and run down her thighs. Her husband had long since passed out and was snoring, his breath gurgling loud. Luce looked above her. His hand had released the gun and it was still right above her head. Carefully she picked it up and got out of bed. She walked around the room and paced like a zombie, staring at the ceiling and blank walls, stopping at the vanity and sitting. She stared at the woman who stared back at her and didn't recognize it to be her. Loose, no longer shone with innocence, no longer had eyes that twinkled, no longer had joy in her face. The woman who stared back at her was a ghost. So she picked up the gun and brought it to her temple. Staring at her face, she began to cry and slowly cocked the gun. From beside her, a voice whispered, Hazlo, estúpida. She turned and saw her husband, backing up and sitting back down on the bed. Just do it and save me the trouble of killing you later, he said. Luz got up and out of the chair. She walked to the foot of the bed where he was, the gun never leaving her temple. She despised this man like she never thought herself possible of feeling towards another human being. And he looked at her, bored and uninterested, and began to laugh, and within a split second, Luz pointed the gun and fired it into his head. She froze, expecting the guards to come running in and do the same to her, but no one came. Having already heard the shots fired in the room, nobody was about to come in and face her husband's wrath and fury. Moving quicker than she had ever done before, Luce reached over to the nightstand, rummaging and looking around for extra bullets. She stuffed them in her robe. As she headed down, she turned back to the vile animal that had just raped her and pulled his wedding ring off. In her mind, this was no union. Running over to the window, she looked down and noticed that she was on the second floor. Yet without thinking, she jumped out, determined to find Cielo and go back home. It was nearly dusk, and Philemon was sorting through the burnt pieces of wood and ash that used to be the church, blindly hoping to salvage something. In the chaos of events, he didn't even know how to locate his friends. The girls could be dead, either at the hands of their family or there amongst the rubble. And he thought if they were in that pile of soot and ash with Father Refugio and Sister Magdalena and the rest of the nuns, then they all deserved a proper burial. He kneeled down to sort through yet another pile when suddenly the earth began to rumble. Philemon looked up and saw a horse-drawn carriage coming full speed right at him. He reached in his coat and pulled out his gun when he saw the veil on the head of the rider. His heart skipped a beat and picked up the pace when he realized that it was one of the girls. His joy, however, short-lived as he saw the condition of the driver. It was cielo bruised, battered, and very bloody. When Cielo saw Filemón, she launched herself off the moving carriage and landed right smack on him. He caught her with both arms and held her close to his body as she shook uncontrollably. Pensé que te habían matado. Her tears soaking the collar of his shirt. He did his best to assure her that he was no ghost and very much alive. Luz, she sobbed. Where's Luz? Filamon looked around, trying to figure out the best way to get Cielo to safety and began tending to her wounds. He picked her up and carried her over to his truck, trying not to look too closely at her because he could not stomach the condition his friend was in. Once he had her safely in the truck, he began to drive away. No more than 200 feet into the drive, they had come across what looked like a dead animal at the road. Stopping the car to get out and move it, He realized in horror that it was no animal, but rather a half-naked and severely beaten loose. She was so still and unmoving. Philemon was sure she was dead. Kneeling down beside her, he gently turned her over and saw her lids partially open. Philemon, she mouthed. He was in a state of shock. The last time he'd seen both girls, they were very different versions of what was here now and he didn't know whether to mourn them or try to save them. Placing his arms under Luz, he lifted her up and carried her to the truck seating next to Cielo. It choked him up to see that even half-dead, the girls still linked their arms and touched their heads together. He could only think to take them back to the safe house and nurse them to health, and once they were better, they could decide what they were going to do from there. Philemon started the engine of the truck and felt the rumble in it. He suddenly had a strong premonition that caused the hair on the back of his neck to stand. Something was born here today. He just didn't know yet if it was good or evil. Looking to the east and then the west, he urged the car into gear and began to drive away. Looking down at the two women, all there was left to do was pray. Thank you for listening to episode three of Las Matamaridos. Stay tuned for episode four, where we learn how the girls recover and the steps they're going to take to gain vengeance against their families. I'm Arlene Sanabria, your narrator.